Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What's up, Pills fans? Welcome back to The Bird Calls, SB Nation's The BirdRights.com's podcast. Now, I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we are breaking down the 2017-18 schedule, which was just released yesterday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, and we are joined by our buddy, Travis Tate. What's up, Double T? Hello. How are you? I'm so good, man. I don't like your tone already. Oh, no. It's a schedule. I've been waiting for this for so long. And also, we are joined by newcomer to the pod, Trevor Ritchie. Welcome, Trevor. Thank you. How are you guys doing? So good, man. We were just talking off air about how much I enjoy your accent. Hopefully, our listeners will, too. Now, you can follow these two characters at Ritchie TMR. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. And of course, I'm Scott Trout. CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. For our old man, Travis, and follow their works as well as the rest of our cast at thebirdrice.com. If you have any questions and would like to contribute them to the pod or would just like Trevor to answer them with his wonderful accent, please send them to at Preston Ellis. Okay, let's dive in, you guys. Let's get some initial thoughts upon seeing the schedule. We're going to go pretty in depth, but before we do any of these things, I just want to get your top eight seeds in the in the Western Conference, just to get an idea when we take a look at the schedule as why you guys have some wins and some losses against certain opponents. Trevor, let's get yours first. Okay, I'm going to obviously go with the Golden State Warriors at one. I don't think there's m- much room for explanation there. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rockets at two. I think the, uh, the play of LaMarcus Aldridge last year in the playoffs for the Spurs kind of showed me a little drop-off. So the addition of Chris Paul to the Houston Rockets is going to allow me to bump them up a bit. So three, I'm going to go the Spurs. Four, with the addition of Paul George, I'm going to go with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Five, I'm not as high on the Minnesota Timberwolves as others are, but the consensus seems to be at five Timberwolves. I'm going to put them in that slot for now. I'm going to go the Pelicans at six. We'll get more in depth through the schedule of why I believe that. Seven, I'm going to drop the uh, Portland Trailblazers right there. 
And then with obviously the addition of Nurkic adds a little bit, and I think that'll help them. And then eight, I'm going to put the Clippers. I, I think they find their way in. I don't think there's a significant drop off after losing Chris Paul and JJ Redick when you bring in Pat Beverly and Milo and some of those other guys and Danilo. I don't know uh, the status of his injury, but I think he'll help a bit. So I'm going to drop LA right there at eight. Okay, if there's a surprise in there, it's obviously the Jazz. Let's get yours, Travis. Yeah, uh, and you know, I, I think a lot of people are going to be like this, where there's sort of a consensus top four. Uh, I have it in a slightly different order, but it's for me, I've got Golden State 1, San Antonio, Houston, and OKC. Um, I think anybody could kind of switch around those two, three, and four teams, really. Uh, you could see OKC having a really great year and meshing really well and kind of going back to their old days, like when they had Durant. Or you could see, you know, San Antonio, I mean, one day, the Spurs are not going to win 50 games, um, and that might be like 40 years from now. It also could be this year, maybe, but it just seems like until they prove that they are no longer a winning team, uh, I have them slotted in at the number two uh, seed there. And then so where things get interesting, obviously, is the rest of the way. Um, so at five, I've got Denver. Uh, I like the wow. Paul Millsap edition, uh, apparently a lot more than Trevor does, for instance. Uh, I then have uh, the Clippers at six. And even there, I think that I'm vastly overrating them. And I'm kind of like looking at, in my own, looking at my own list here and I'm not too sure about that. I then have uh, Utah at seven. Uh, I just think that their defense is going to get them through enough games uh, mm-hmm. to be able to counter their total and complete lack of offense I was I sort of had to do a double take at their roster when I was just looking at it and I don't really understand how they're going to score 85 points a game Uh, I know everybody does but um, they're going to have to produce some magic there and then the eighth seed I've got the Memphis Grizzlies uh, just basically because at this point they're sort of in that same realm as San Antonio where they have all these veteran guys and they haven't lost, they haven't won fewer than 40 games in like seven or eight years, I think. And so I just kind of think that they're going to find a way, um, maybe if they can stay healthier this year than they have in previous years, um, that they're, that they're going to sneak into the playoffs, leaving New Orleans on the outside. This is good because we have very differing opinions, all three of us on this. I didn't have Denver that high, but I'm really excited that you do because that'll uh, provide an interesting dynamic when we get to breaking down uh, the schedule and, and what it pertains to. So let's let's dive right in, right on in. Of course, uh, the Pelicans rank 15th in nationally televised games with 14 this season. Now that's including NBA TV, six on ESPN, two on TNT. The only surprises for me were Philadelphia with 23, Milwaukee with 16, and the Lakers with a staggering 35. Uh, how does 15th overall sound to you, Travis? Uh, at this point, I, it, I seem. I guess I'm used to New Orleans kind of not getting a whole lot of um, national TV games. I mean, the Lakers, you know, even as bad as they've always been the last few years, it seems like they're going to just always be on national TV just because of that brand. Plus now the whole ball thing brings a whole other, you know, sort of new side to that. Um, So it is disappointing just because you'd like to see somebody like Anthony Davis uh, get to shine more often. but uh, really, at this point, I'm just, I'm, I can't say I'm surprised. 
You know, uh, looking at the nationally televised games at the end of the season, Trevor, they've got us at Cleveland on ESPN, Memphis at home on April 4th, and they've got us at L.A. on ESPN on April 9th. So it appears that the schedule makers think that we're going to be uh, we're going to be pretty well in the mix toward the end of the season. Would you agree? I would agree, and I would definitely hope so, because with that stretch uh, there at the end of the season, you have at Cleveland, Oklahoma City at home, Memphis at home, at Phoenix, at Golden State, at L.A., at San Antonio to end the season out. So you would hope that we are in the mix come that point because you definitely don't want to be fighting for your lives. But uh, back to that point, I can agree with Travis on not being surprised per se. But the reason that these teams like Philadelphia and Milwaukee and Los Angeles have those nationally televised games is because of the core young players. You have Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, Giannis, uh, Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. But I don't see why we don't bump up on that scale with the addition of DeMarcus Cousins. It's not like they're, they're aging. I mean, everyone's aging, but they're not old players. Anthony Davis is arguably the best young player in the league. If you talk to GMs outside of maybe – Carl Anthony Towns and Giannis himself. So I'm not surprised, but at the same time, I kind of am, if that makes any sense. I think it's definitely a calculated risk to to put all your your monies in the Pelicans basket at this point. Uh, with Alvin Gentry on the hot seat, Boogie potentially on his way out, Rondo on a one-year deal, it definitely would be a risk to give us, let's say, uh, 20 to 25 nationally televised games. But with that That's being fair. said, with that being said, we've got two top 20 players. We've got Rajon Rondo, who, if nothing else, is compelling to watch on television for better or worse. He's either going to be mailing it in or he's going to be, be performing like an all-star. So there definitely is the possibility that the Pelicans are one of the uh, can't-miss teams to watch on NBA TV. But um, I definitely I definitely think it's fair uh, with one caveat. The New York Knicks have won more nationally televised games than us, including some games on ABC. The Pelicans don't have one Sunday. Uh, I think all the ABC games are probably on Sundays, uh, but let's move right along. The most important part of the schedule is going to be getting off to a fast start, getting everybody to buy in. In each of the past two seasons, the Pelicans have started a combined 3-21. and Travis, let's break down the opening games, but first, how important is it that the Pelicans get off to an impressive start? Yeah, uh, you know, to me, and I, I mentioned this uh, a couple podcasts ago with you, but, I, you know, you could argue that the first, you know, sort of segment of the first six games and then total of the first 12 games, just because I'm looking at the last previous two seasons of the first 12 games. So I'm going to make this magical cutoff point of the first 12 games. They're as important as as it gets because at this point Anthony Davis needs to prove. Uh, I get you know maybe prove is a little strong word, but he's got to come out and have a year where his team wins because of mostly what he's doing. Obviously, Cousins and Rondo and Drew Holiday are all, um, or at least I hope they all realize that they are the they are the uh, planets that revolve around uh, Anthony Davis, the sun, and so if. If he has another bad year or the team gets off to a bad start, everything is going to fall in his lap and people are going to start to wonder why is it that this team, you know, can't get off to a good start? Why is it that they can't win games when they really, really need to? Um, and, you know, you don't want to have to answer those questions uh, too often, hopefully. 
Let's get over to Trevor. Trevor, okay, our first 12 games, as Travis alluded to, are going to be pretty important. Uh, obviously, we start at Memphis, and then our initial home game will be against the Gold State Warriors on ESPN. Take us through these 12 games after that. We've got at the Lakers, at Portland, at Sacramento, Cleveland at home, Orlando at home, Minnesota at home, followed by a four-game road trip to end it at Dallas, Chicago, Indiana, and Toronto. How do we walk away from this, Trevor? I look at... I think these first six games, like Travis split it up into those into two sections, I think in the first six games we're going to find out everything of where we are at as a team in that period. We travel to Memphis, home opener, then we're going to face the, the reigning NBA champions at home. Uh, Los Angeles, a young Lonzo Ball, so we might see how we defend against a dy- dynamic ball-dominant guard. Uh, then at Portland, so that's another backcourt test. Then at Sacramento, that'll be an emotional game where uh, you see the teammate support behind Boogie, hopefully. And then Cleveland at home, I don't think uh, we necessarily have to do damage control, but I don't think you look at this the start of the schedule and say fast start. I think you set the goal at 500 and hope you can make it there, and I think that's a realistic goal. I think uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic about this. I'm not really concerned about Memphis. Obviously, we're just giving them the benefit of the doubt because we never give them the benefit of the doubt, and they end up in the playoffs every single year. So, But with that being said, um, you know, they've lost some talent. They have yet to re-sign uh, two of their better players, Jermichael and Tony Allen. And uh, they struggle with Chandler Parsons. Marcus Saul is a year older. So I'm not as concerned about them. Golden State, obviously, a loss. The Lakers, not concerned. Portland, might be bringing in Carmelo Anthony at this point. Uh, without Carmelo, I think that might be a tough test. But with Portland, um, or, or with Carmelo, I think there might be some uh, some early on hitches. And that could be a theme throughout here. You've got Minnesota, you've got Chicago, you've got Indiana, Dallas, all these teams acclimating uh, new players to their systems. And how how quickly does that work for these teams, including the Pelicans? I guess we've got Rajon Rondo going in. But let's 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 get a schedule prediction through the first twelve games. Let's start with Trevor. I'm going seven and five. I I, I think they that we set the goal at five hundred and and we just exceed that by a hair. What about you, Travis? Oh, uh, let's see. I would go. I'll probably go six and six, um, which is at at that point probably good enough to have them keep their heads above water uh, for some earlier parts or some easier parts, I should say in the uh, schedule that come later in the year. But, uh, you know, like we're talking about those first 12 games, you know, even with that four game uh, road trip that they got there where it's East coast plus Dallas, um, there's plenty of time in between each of the games. Most for the most part, there is a back to back there, but you know, the other, the other times there, they've got multiple days off. So um, hopefully they don't have to, uh, you know, complain about uh, the amount of rest and travel that they're doing because it, it's not that bad. Yeah, we get we get a little lucky in that way. Our one back-to-back is at Chicago, who obviously just added uh, Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, who's still rehabbing his knee. And uh, they've, they've lost Jimmy Butler. So if you have a back-to-back against anybody, uh, mailing it in Bulls team is is not a bad candidate. And you guys have them at six and six and seven and five. And I got to say, I'm feeling pretty optimistic at six and six. That's pretty much all that we need. I've got November and December and January as uh, or sorry, December, January and February as looking pretty winnable, pretty uh, optimistic for the Pelicans in terms of their strength of schedule during those months. So so let's get into that. Let's talk about the toughest part of the schedule first. 
uh, the part where the, the the finger pointing begins, we question the fit and the relationship of Boogie and the brow. We blame it all on Rondo. We, we talk about trading Boogie and getting Gentry out of town. For me, this is February 28th through the end of the season. This schedule features a four-game road trip against San Antonio, Dallas, Clippers, Sacramento, as well as a three-game trip against Phoenix, Golden State, and the Clippers. The home games aren't that pretty either with Washington, Utah, Charlotte, Houston, Boston, Dallas, Lakers, Portland, OKC, Memphis, and San Antonio. Travis, let's start with you. Uh, What is your toughest part of this schedule? Well, I go to the section that comes right at the very end of that part of the schedule that you just mentioned. So I go where they're on the road at Houston through the rest of the season because they've got at Houston, Portland, at Cleveland, OKC, Memphis. Phoenix is probably a win at that point. They're most likely going to be bad again. But then Golden State, the Clippers, and San Antonio. So, I mean, they're playing a ton of good teams down the stretch of the down the stretch of the season in the last about 10 games or so. And that that's uh, that's a little bit worrisome. And even, you know, I was thinking about it when we were talking about the national TV kind of angle of the of the schedule and it's interesting you know if if new orleans is kind of out of the playoff mix and maybe memphis is too and the clippers because all three of those teams are very borderline um two of those espn games for the pelicans those might get flexed out um i don't know if those are set in stone but it seems to me that if all those teams are bad all three of those teams are bad those could be games that were getting taken away from us unfortunately Trevor, obviously the end of the season is when you want to be playing your best basketball. And uh, should we get to this point, the Pelicans will probably be sitting pretty before they run into this gamut, probably somewhere around like, I don't know, guesstimating 40 and 30 uh, at the time. When do you prefer to have your murderer's row of games? And uh, how, do you, how do you think the Pelicans could possibly handle a, uh, a season-ending collapse heading into the playoffs? I think if you're going to hit that murderer's row, I don't think the end of the season is necessarily the worst spot to do it. If you are in the playoffs at that point, which we hope they are, and you're hitting that stretch, like you said, you're hoping to play your best basketball at that point. So you're just getting a test headed into the playoffs. Now, how they actually perform is a different question, but I think that's about the most perfect spot to hit it Uh, without the point that, you know, you get beat up, maybe an injury, something that you might not want to happen. But when it comes to just a competition level, that's that's where I would want it to be. Yeah, Travis, we we talked a little bit earlier about uh, it, it's going to take a while to fit in all these pieces, figure out where to put Ian Clark, figure out who our, our full time uh, third big is going to be uh, really acclimating Boogie and AD to this system. The good thing about this is that it gives us essentially the whole season before we run into this gamut deep. Talk, talk about your, your optimism levels right now. What, what are the possibilities that the Pelicans really build throughout the season, put together a great record, really cement themselves into the playoff race before hitting this uh, patch of the schedule? Yeah, I, I, to me, the West is so loaded that I don't think they're going to be in a spot where they're comfortably in the playoffs as of, say, mid-March. Um, to me, there's too many other good teams that are all going to be racked up in between, say, the fifth and the twelfth uh, seeds in the West. And, you know, we didn't even really talk about, well, I mean, I guess the difference between Trevor and my list in terms of who's going to make the playoffs gives you kind of a good idea of how many good teams there are in the West that could all make the playoffs or, you know, finish as high as fifth. You know, where Trevor's got Minnesota finishing fifth, I have Minnesota finishing tenth. And where he's got Portland making the playoffs, I have them finishing 11th. And Sacramento made a bunch of good moves. And, 
you know, there's probably only really going to be a couple of very bad teams in the West, including the Lakers. And even they might be more interesting than we think just because of ball and, you know, all those young guys, maybe they're, maybe they're ready to win a, a few more games than we might think. And there's always surprise teams and um, it's just really hard to predict, but it, you know, I, to me, I don't think that we're going to ever feel comfortable, like comfortably in the playoffs this year. That hurts my heart, Travis. I um, know, I know. <laughs> uh, because right now I'm, I'm looking at uh, my most optimistic part of the schedule and I'm going to throw this over to Trevor. For me, uh, pretty much December, January and February look quite promising. I see us getting off to that six and six start, like you guys said, and then really rattling off a series of wins heading into that February 28th contest against San Diego. My favorite part of the schedule is right before all-star break when uh, we host Utah on February 5th, then we host Indiana, and then we go on a three-game road trip at Philadelphia, at Brooklyn, and at Detroit before hosting the Lakers, Miami, going to Milwaukee, and then having Phoenix at home before we start that gauntlet at San Antonio. Trevor, what what is your most favorable part of the schedule? Well, Preston, you hit the nail on the head. I think February is going to be the Pelicans month. Uh, You start off February, the second and the third, with a back-to-back on the road against Oklahoma City and Minnesota. That might be a tough little patch, but then after that, you face Utah and Indiana at home. I think those are both wins. And I think the road trip you hit on at Philadelphia, at Brooklyn, and at Detroit are all wins. And I have us continuing the win streak February 14th on Valentine's Day against Los Angeles, a win, and then February 23rd against Miami as a win. So that's a eight-win, eight-game win streak. I mean, I, I think I think that's the most optimistic point of the season for me. That that'll be the I think that eight-game win streak will be the longest win streak of the season. Now let's head over to Captain Doom and Gloom, Travis, who has us falling out of the playoffs and probably doesn't even see a favorable portion of our schedule, but let's ask him anyway. Travis, is is there a part of our schedule where everything's just clicking and everybody's, you know, high-fiving and drinking and, and our podcasts are just like all celebrations and, and yeah. air horns? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, both you guys have hit, you know, that's probably the the most obvious stretch of games that they can definitely win, especially those three games, the Philly, Brooklyn, Detroit, uh trio there the the one particular game like single game that i like the most there is detroit just because i believe it was two seasons ago when anthony davis had about 59 and like 20 rebounds or something and then i think he had like another huge game at detroit last year so i think he's got uh got something going on in the motor city where he likes to really put up huge numbers and those are all a ton of ton of very very winnable games because there are a lot of east coast teams and that's that's great there's another little stretch there in december that looks pretty nice they've got orlando uh, at, at orlando at miami brooklyn dallas new york so that's five games there plus then they followed it up at utah um, and at minnesota then back to detroit again so i mean they could, there's another little stretch there and you guys are absolutely right in pointing out you know basically the end of the season's appears to be very difficult and the beginning of the season appears to be very difficult. And so therefore everything else kind of in between, um, they should be able to find little stretches of wins. Uh, the, the one mild disappointment that Ali wrote about on the birdrights.com, go and check it is, uh, we're playing the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers only three times a piece when, uh, both teams are expected to be pretty bad. And, Everybody else in the Western Conference were playing four times. So I definitely wanted to mention that and give a shout out to Ali Cassell 
now that we've done that, let's let's talk about games that we're uh, anticipating. And obviously the big one is probably going to be our game at Sacramento. Boogie's first return there. It's going to be nationally televised on TNT, October 26th. Aside from that one, Trevor, what's one game on the docket right now that you're really looking forward to? Well, the one that you mentioned is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. But I would have to say, just as uh, from a fan perspective and, and from a anticipation perspective, I'm going to go with the home opener against Golden State. I think, like I said earlier, that at Memphis to start the season will tell us a lot. And then we come back home, hopefully riding the momentum of a win, and we face the reigning NBA champion. So I think that's one to watch and will tell us a lot about our team, Preston. All right, Travis, let's get one from you. Aside from the Sacramento one, uh, I've, I've got at Denver as being pretty exciting because, like you said, you've got the Millsap uh, edition, and we just had some some really, really memorable games against them at the end of the season. We had three games against them in the final month, uh, neck and neck towards the finish line back there, and so so every game had this heightened sense of anticipation against Denver. What's one game you're really looking forward to this season? Yeah, and this is a little just more personal, and plus I, I'm a big Giannis Antetokounmpo fan. We play at Milwaukee on February 25th. That's like a few days after my birthday. It's on a Sunday at 2 p.m. I might be able to get up there and do some game coverage of that particular game. So let's let's ho- hold out hope that I can uh, make my way up to Milwaukee. Yeah, here's hoping. Uh, I actually live in Orlando, so I will very much be uh, looking forward to the Pelicans making a trip over here. You guys, let's let's start breaking down month by month. We're going to start with Trevor. I'm going to get your overall records at the end. But first, just breaking down October, we've got at Memphis, Golden State at home, at the Lakers, at Portland, at Sacramento, Cleveland at home, and Orlando at home. How do we walk away from that, Trevor? I think we walk away, like I said, no damage control, but the goal has to be 500. And I think through the end of November, the goal has to be 500 uh, to keep the media off your back, to keep the locker room clean. So I I think we walk away with our with our chins up still. All right. uh, Let's let's get a record from you. I think that's okay. I'm going to go four and three for October. What about you, Travis? Yeah, I'm just going to mix that just three and four. All right, three and four. Okay, we're heading into November. Uh, We've got an interesting slate here. I think we walk out on the positive. Minnesota at home, followed by a four-game road trip at Dallas, at Chicago. That's a back-to-back. At Indiana, at Toronto, before we come back home. Clippers, Atlanta, Toronto, at Denver on ESPN. Oklahoma at home, San Antonio at home, at Phoenix, at Golden State. Our last game of the month is a home game against Minnesota. Trevor, what do you think? And do quick math for me there. Six, nine, 12, 13, 14 games. (laughs) I I think those two road back-to-backs, you know, the first time we face those back-to-backs in the season are going to hurt us a little bit. I'm going to go six and eight for the month of November. Oh, man, I was way more optimistic than that. Travis, what about you? Yeah, uh, man, uh, let's see. Uh, I will say we'll go – how many games are there? 12? 14. 14. Eight and six. Uh, I cut you off there, Trevor. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I think that stretch at the end of November is a little tough. That was going to be one of my uh, other tough uh, moments in the schedule. At Denver, Oklahoma City, San Antonio at home, at Phoenix, at Golden State, road back-to-back, and then Minnesota at home. I think that stretch right there hurts us a little bit, which is why I went six and eight. 
All right. Now we've got 15 games in December. So uh, the Pelicans might be getting a little bit tired here. This is when some nagging injuries might start surfacing. We started at Utah and then at Portland. That's a back-to-back. So I'm just going to chalk that one up to a loss before we head uh, back home for a four-game homestand, Golden State, Denver, Sacramento, Philadelphia. Now, this is only December 10th, so we've played a lot of basketball games in 10 days, so you'd have to imagine there's going to be a lot of uh, resting players at this point. Then on the 11th at Houston, then hosting Milwaukee, then another four-game road trip at Denver, at Washington, at Orlando, at Miami, a lot of miles there, before heading back home to some easier matchups uh, against Brooklyn, Dallas, and New York. Travis, what do you have in that 15-game stretch? I think, I think that that's a big time. I mean, I th- I could see us winning as many as nine games, but I, when I just counted it out in my head, I, I kind of had us with seven. So <laughs> I, oh, man, you are brutal. <laughs> Trevor, what do you got? I'm actually going to go 11 and four. I think our stretch uh, at Orlando, at Miami, Brooklyn at home, Dallas, New York at home, I think that'll be promising for us. So I'm going to go 11 and four. It's definitely a lot of games, and this is going to be the part of the season where we really need to start playing our best basketball with uh, December, January, and February being our most winnable months. But, yeah, you, you just can't change the fact that it's a lot of games. So we'll see how we walk away from that. Hopefully Gentry manages minutes well, and we really have a third bag uh, step up to spell uh, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins at that point. Let's head into January. Let's see, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games. We start at Utah, at Minnesota, home Detroit, at Memphis, Portland at home, at New York, at Boston, at Atlanta will be the second night of a back-to-back. And then we come home, Memphis, Chicago, at Charlotte, before Houston at home, the Clippers at home, and finally Sacramento at home. Travis, what do you think? I got, let's go nine wins. Hey, there we go. That sounds much better. What about you, Trevor? I think there's only one back-to-back in January, so I'm going to go eight and six, eight wins. All right, eight and nine. That's a pretty successful month. And now we are heading into February, which we all agree is when we really need to just start running the table. Uh, We start at OKC and at Minnesota. Uh, That is a back-to-back at Minnesota. So, I mean, I think we can safely say that those two uh, will be competitive, if not guaranteed losses, before we head back back home for Utah and Indiana And then we go on a three-game road trip at Philadelphia, at Brooklyn, at Detroit. None of those are back-to-backs. And then we head home for the Lakers before All-Star break. And then we have home against Miami before we go at Milwaukee. And then we host Phoenix before we start that terrible gauntlet at San Antonio. Trevor, what do you got for that slate? I spoke a little bit earlier about the win streak that I foresee in the month of February. So I'm going to go with another eight-win month, eight and four for the month of February. Eight wins. All right. That sounds good. What about you, Trav? I got the same. Yeah, give me eight wins in February. All right. And here is where everything will likely fall apart. We start March 4th at Dallas, then at the Clippers, and then at Sacramento on the second night of a back-to-back before we come home for Washington, Utah, and Charlotte. Then we go at San Antonio. Then we have home Houston, Boston, Dallas, the Lakers, before going at Houston, home for Portland, and finishing at Cleveland on ESPN. Travis, what do you have? I'm losing track counting these games, but basically a a bunch of losses. 12, 14 games. How many losses out of 14? Uh, Well, probably, I would give us six wins, actually. Oh, okay. That's actually uh, pretty optimistic by my standards. I didn't think we were going to walk away with that many. What about you, Trev? I agree with Travis. I'm going six and eight for the month of March. 
All right. I hope you guys are doing math because at the end of this, I'm going to ask for your overall records. <laughs> oh, no, no. I was told math was not going to be involved. <laughs> oh, who told you that? Okay, April, we're finishing up. Oklahoma City at home, Memphis at home before a three-game road trip at Phoenix at Golden State at the Clippers, and that Phoenix into Golden State is a back-to-back. And then our final game of the year, yet again, hosting San Antonio for all the marbles. Trevor, what are you thinking that month? I think we can most definitely snag Memphis, Phoenix, and L.A. So I'm going to go three and three and just call it safe. All right, Travis, what do you think? Yeah, I'll say two and four, but it could easily go three and three. And four. Now, have you guys done math? I, I wrote down all your answers, so I can do it for you and take a pause here. Please, but do, guys- it for, please do it for us. Trevor has us with 46 wins. All right, Travis, 35, 41, 43. How about that? All right. Yeah, I like Travis, that. Travis, where did you have the Pelicans in your in your playoff rankings? Uh, ninth. 43. Oh, 40. That's good enough to squeak them in there. You think so? I probably so. I, at least eight. 43 wins. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the standings looked like last year as far as wins. Well, I mean, seventh and eight seed, but I think that'll squeak them in. I, w- I would say I wasn't counting like when I originally did the layout here. I wasn't going to count every single game like we just did. So it, I mean, if I were to like really truly look at every single oh, yeah. game, I mean that forty three is. I'm pretty comfortable with that though. But I don't know. I mean, the West seems just so loaded this year. No, I think any 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 much less than forty three would be a devastation to the season. Honestly. Honestly, the Eastern Conference is uh, so many different teams in the Eastern Conference are expected to mail in this season and uh, compete for bottoming out that it's not out of the spectrum of belief that 43 wins could not do it. Because I think it was two years ago when uh, Kevin Durant went down with the injury and and Russell Westbrook uh, still led them to 45 wins and it wasn't enough to get them in over the Pelicans. Yeah, that was when we beat them in that tiebreaker. Yeah, so we we definitely might see a a residual of that or a repeat of that uh, this season. So. I definitely think that that Trevor's 46 is uh, a lot, a lot closer to the spectrum of where I'm hoping that we end up and 46 wins. You'd have to expect that uh, like we, like we talked about teams five through eight are all going to kind of be in that category. The only teams in the West I would expect to have more than 50 wins would be the top four that we discussed. Travis, would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think that those top four have definitely separated themselves. And like I was talking about with, the difference between my and Trevor's list is, you know, he's got Minnesota. I, I, he has them fifth. I have them 10th. I have Denver fifth. You know, maybe Trevor has them 10th. I mean, you know, it's like teams five through 10 or 11 seem very interchangeable at this point. So none of this takes into account injuries. Uh, there's, yeah. there's no way that we could possibly predict it, uh, especially through December with that slate of 15 games, uh, and especially with the cold, all the traveling. Let's let's talk a bit about that. Uh, I don't think Anthony Davis has ever played more than 66 games in a season. And this game, uh, he was healthier than he's ever been, but he still exited a lot of games early. Trevor, what are your expectations uh, as to the health of the Pelicans going into this season, especially uh, pertaining to players like Quincy Pondexter? I think if we look to I don't I'm not buffed on the status of Quincy Pondexter, but as far as the overall team, I think. As long as Gentry can find a way to manage those minutes a little better than he's done in seasons past with not as much depth 
as I would like to see on a roster, but more than we've had before, I think we can do a better job as a team of managing these players to where we don't face as many injuries as we have for the past two or three years. Travis, piggybacking on that, uh, one one thing that we're missing, and you and I have talked at length about this, is is our third big spot. Uh, and it, it doesn't appear at this time that we're really interested in bringing Dante Cunningham back. Now, of course, there might be a couple more moves that are in the works that we're just not privy to. But at this moment, uh, we're going to see a lot of Czech Diallo throughout this schedule or a lot of, uh, like we talked about, sliding some of our uh, our wing players to the fore. What is going to be your key to success as far as the second unit goes uh, heading into this season? Hmm, great question. Uh, I, uh, I think, you know, I'm a little more, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you on the Diallo thing. I think it would be interesting and great for him to play. But what I see, if you were to ask me what I think is actually going to happen, I see more time for Jinsa. And I think he's going to be that first big to come off the bench, you know, whenever, however they separate um, Cousins and uh, and Davis. And I think that you could see a lot of times out there where Cousins stays out there with a Jinsa, uh, just because they're going to be doing a lot of stuff. You know, they're going to set up their entire offense to uh, be centered around that Davis Cousins combo. And so when you've got your entire offense based around two bigs, I think they'll easily be able, not easily, because he's obviously not the same quality of player, but easily be able to continue to implement that two big offense and see if that that's something that they can take advantage of against second units. Now I can definitely see Agenda playing against teams like, like the Spurs, uh, potentially the jazz, maybe the wolves and maybe the nuggets, but there are a couple of teams on here. Uh, the blazers, the thunder, the warriors who are just moving further and further towards small ball. Trevor, what's, what's your idea on uh, Agenda being our first big off the bench? I think I honestly will probably trust him more as a rim protector than I would Diallo. I don't mind from what I saw near the end of the season when uh, we were facing some injuries and he got some solid time. I think he played fairly well, and I think I think he has earned more minutes than he has gotten. So uh, I have no problem with him playing more. I did not think we were going to head down. This I didn't direction. see this coming. I, I didn't see that coming. I, didn't, I, didn't, I thought I was the only Ajinsa guy, and I'm not even I, an Ajinsa guy. I'm very but. high on a, a on Ajinsa. Very wow. high. Wow. Wow. I, I did not see this heading. And uh, Ajinsa is is probably a pretty uh, based on his some of his Twitter comments, some of his Instagram things. He's he's trying to manage his way out of town. Uh, but like you said, he pretty much is the only guy capable of being a rim protector at this, at this moment, uh, check the obviously played so well in summer league, but his defensive awareness is still lacking. So at this moment, uh, he's, he's going to be our, our big off the bench. And Ashik, we, we all hope that he recovers as quickly as possible. We might have our own opinions, uh, as to, uh, his, his level of play on the court and, you know, where, where the NBA is going in terms of his position and skill set, But, with that being said, I wish him the best. I hope he recovers quickly. It's now been uh, six months since his illness, and he is still not able to play, still hasn't put on any weight. So I definitely hope it's not any kind of a lasting or, or a permeating illness, something that he's able to shed as quickly as possible and uh, bring himself back to the bench where he can comfortably sit for the entire season. Um, you guys, thank you. Before I wrap up, did, did we miss anything, Trevor? I just want to touch on Travis putting Utah in the playoffs. I utterly disagree with that choice. I think I, – I believe you had them at six, Travis. They, yeah, seven. They, were they not 
they were fifth last year. They lose Gordon Hayward. They lose George Hill, and they add Ricky Rubio. I I don't I don't see. I think the drop off is more significant than than where you place them. No knock to you, but I just don't have Utah anywhere close to the playoffs this season. I mean, it makes all the sense in the your your take makes all the sense in the world. I, I just have this feeling that a team that is going to be based so so solely around their defense is going to be able to sneak out enough wins. But I, you know, like I was saying earlier, I've got them seven. I mean, they could easily fall to 11, you know, cause I I've right now I have Portland 11th and like, you know, you have them in the playoffs. I mean, again, this, this whole mix of teams there five through 11 is just going to be, you know, kind of a, a real show. Yeah, and we didn't give any respect to the Mavericks at all, but I'm I'm on board with you. It's 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 not just because uh, the the Jazz added Rubio, Donovan Mitchell played so well. I'm also expecting another step forward for Rudy Gobert now that he'll have more opportunities offensively because Gordon Hayward, uh, you know, is is a guy who needs the ball in his hands. And now you have a a chance to pass it around to Favors. Rodney Hood will get some more opportunities if he can be healthy. But more than that. We don't really have a history in the NBA of teams really jumping from 10th in a conference up to 5th. Most teams uh, slide very gradually. There's there's not a whole lot of leapfrogging. So with, with a team and with a system and with a culture like they have with Quinn Snyder, I, I think it would be pretty surprising for them to just completely drop off, especially when they are bringing back most of their guys. Uh, George Hill, I think, was out probably 40 games of the season, including much of the playoffs. Uh, so Gordon Hayward is is your big loss there. But uh, if Ricky Rubio can stay healthy and Donovan Mitchell is as good as he looked and uh, Rudy Gobert takes another step forward, I don't I don't see them dropping off either. And another uh, team that we didn't really talk about too much, the Clippers, I don't I don't see them dropping off that much at this point. I see if Blake Griffin can stay healthy, uh, he finally gets to be the the point forward that we always envisioned him being before Chris Paul headed over there. And you've got a lot of uh, uh, support players who have brought in from other other teams, especially if uh, Gallinari can be healthy. But you've got Lou Williams over there. You've got a point guard now. You've got Sam Decker over there. So Patrick know, Beverly. Patrick Beverly. That's what I meant when I said point guard. It was on the tip of my tongue. And apparently they he do have asked, that point guard that I can't pronounce his last name, but his first name is Milo. And he's oh, Teladosic, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, he's, from what I've heard, Patrick Beverly played with him overseas and said he's, he's the guy. So I look forward to finding out what he's made of this season. I got a question for you guys. Who do you have as the bottom three teams in the West and in what order? You know, I, I have the, I, this. I'll, I'll, I'll go first just to maybe this might help you guys get started. I have the worst team. So 15th being Dallas, I have 14th being Phoenix and I have 13th being the Lakers. Um, I also have Dallas down there, although um, with Dennis Smith and Rick Carlisle, I feel bad saying that I've got the Lakers 14th. And I have the Suns 13th, though, um, you know, with all these young players, you have to think at some point they start putting together some wins. Uh, Devin Booker, you know, scored 70 points in a game last season. Eric Bledsoe is probably going to try to play his way off the team, uh, potentially to Cleveland. We don't know how that's going to resolve itself. And I was going to ask you guys about that. Uh, some major storylines like like Cleveland and like the Thunder, how you guys uh, think that works out. But before we get to that, Trevor, why don't you give your bottom three teams? I'm going to go with Dallas at the bottom of the table. Then I will move to Phoenix. And then I'm going to say Sacramento. I, I'm just going to give the Lakers the edge. Nice. Yeah. 
with uh, Vince Carter and and George Hill and uh, Zach Randolph. Although Zach Randolph is getting older, of course, Vince Carter's forty, and George Hill can't really prove that he can stay healthy. I feel kind of dumb saying it, but they've just put together so much young talent, and with these uh, older veterans to just teach them uh, how to play the game. I don't know. You would you would hope there would be improvement there, but. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a bad selection at all. Let's let's talk about uh, what I was suggesting a moment ago. The Oklahoma City Thunder are going to be a big point of conversation this season, uh, not just based on their addition of Paul George and, and Patrick Patterson, but on the impending free agency of Russell Westbrook and Paul George, and all these uh, sort of suspect rumors that these guys could be uh, skipping hand in hand off to Los Angeles after this season. Every everybody's just got them dialed in in the in the the top four of the conference, but you'd have to believe there's going to be so much rumor swirling, so much like uh, backdoor gossip. Are we absolutely sure that the Thunder break the top four in the West this year, Travis? Uh, another great question. I would say I'm 90% sure that they'll finish in the top four. Obviously, this is you know not including injuries or anything, but I'd, I'd like the Paul George thing, but then also Patrick Patterson. Uh, I think Steven Adams will be better this year. I think Cantor will have a more um, a role that fits his skills better. Um, and then Alex Abrinas is going to be a huge uh, sort of question mark for them because he's going to get a lot of minutes at the two um, coming off the bench. And if he can make a bunch of threes and stuff, I, I really like them. I see their ceiling being the number two, number two team in the West. Um, it just kind of depends, I guess, on how every how everybody fits fits together. Trevor, Paul George has shown himself to be another very strong personality type player. He he ran players like Lance Stevenson out of town and Roy Hibbert out of town. And last year in the playoffs, he uh, very famously accosted C.J. Miles for taking a wide open shot when C.J. Miles is by all accounts a great shooter. But he, he said something uh, to point the fact after the game, C.J. knows not to take that shot. He knows that I have to take the last shot, even though he was double teamed at the time. Is Is there any possibility that this doesn't work out, Trevor? Absolutely not. I think uh, Russell Westbrook has learned from his past of playing with players like KD. And uh, I think this situation with Paul George is similar to that. But I think Paul George is going to submit a little bit with the idea that this is a contract year. And players tend to play a little bit different to do a little bit better to actually win. And I think that's both of their goals right now. So I think with it being a contract year for both of them, I think Russell's is guaranteed $220 million super max contract with the Thunder. I don't see how you turn that down. But I, I, I think I am 99% sure that this will work and they will be in the top four. All right. It was worth asking. Before I let you guys go, uh, our buddy, friend of the pod, Justin Verrier of ESPN, joins The Ringer as a senior editor covering the NBA. Now, uh, in in our private chat groups, we give The Ringer uh, a hard time from time to time with Chris Blowed Up Connor, Chris Ryan, the, uh, the, the Sixers fan, Bill Simmons, with his uh, Celtics perspectives. But we do listen and we do read Haley O'Shaughnessy's co- uh, columns on the Pelicans. And I think we can be nothing but excited, not only to have Justin... Uh, 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 by all accounts, a very, very nice guy. He's always been very nice, very open, uh, very giving with his time to me. I'm very excited for him. And I'm very excited to have uh, another Pelican's voice at the ringer because this is something for for as much grief as we give it, something that we all do by all accounts, read and listen to. So very excited for him. Very excited for the ringer. Trevor, do you have any takes on Justin? I actually don't know much much about Justin until I saw uh, him mentioned in the 
in the group chat. So I'm going to have to go uh, look at him and, and read some of his work. Uh, what about you, Travis? Yeah, I mean, it's been nice having him when he was uh, doing his ESPN work and you got a lot of Pelicans and Saints news that came from him. And that was that was a really great thing to have. And then, he, I mean, he got let go by them. Is that right? Yeah, he was and part then, of that uh, hundred man uh, uh, yeah, massacre. Right, right. And then uh, him joining the Ringer. I mean, it's interesting. You were saying, you know, we all read the Ringer. I just don't even read it. Uh, you know, as soon as, <laughs> as soon as Grantland blew up, and, and I loved Grantland, um, I never switched over to the Ringer. And you know, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. But maybe I'll go there to check out Justin Barrier. <laughs> well, it sounds good. Uh, thank you guys again. You can follow Trevor at Richie TMR. And of course, Travis at Trabeta. I love that name. Uh, thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, Trevor, send us off. Well, first off, you got to give us a, a rating on iTunes. You got to comment. You got to share to make Fres- Preston feel good. So there's that. <laughs> Travis, do you want to say goodbye? Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. We. We really need the five-star ratings. Please. <laughs> Only uh, for Preston. Only for me. It just fills my heart with uh, with happiness and glad tidings. Uh, you guys, you can find us at thebirdrights.com. My name is Preston Ells. Follow me at Preston Ells. Ali Cassell is always killing it over at The Bird Rights, so make sure you follow him uh, as well at Red Hopeful. And just uh, dial up and find all the content. We will be covering everything from rumors, analysis, uh or whatever we just feel like writing at the moment. And like these guys said, it it sounds silly, but it really does help us so much. Uh, Give us a rating, retweet, spread the word. We really appreciate all of your help. And we'll see you guys soon, hopefully with uh, our good friends Trevor and Travis next week. Thanks for listening, and let's go Pels! Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.